Well, whose face did you picture when Matt made the invitation? Who's the person that pops into your mind when you think about great talent, great leadership, great impact on the world, and that a We posed that question on Facebook this week. We posed it at the 8.30 service, and we pose it to you now. Close your eyes for just a second and get that person in your mind. Well, if you've got it, let's look at some of them. Let's look at some of the, oh, anyone know who that is? Fernandez is in prison. Went to the University of Florida. Next. Tiger Woods. Beloved, right? Next. Suspended. Let's, uh, there's Lance. Amazing good, right? Get strong. Done amazing things for the community. Had a meteoric fall from grace. Let's switch venues now. Those are sports celebrities. Let's go to some other ones you put up. Is that George Michael? Okay, I couldn't tell. George Michael. Okay, somebody else? Anyone know who that is? Amy Winehouse, 24 years old, I believe. Amazing. Can't touch this. <laughs> MC Hanner, lost it all. Okay, let's switch venues. Okay, so we have sports figures and we have musicians, singers. Oh, I swear. <laughs> I swear. An unlikely candidate, no? From Arkansas, a poor, poor boy? John Edwards. Actually had a child con- conceived, right? Could it, could it was a contender for uh, presidency. Arnold. I didn't come up with all these, by the way. You, you all did. Okay, another one? Mel Gibson. Celebrity. So we've got some sports figures. We've got some singers. We've got some celebrities. What about the last military? Petraeus, right? Now, if you get, if you look at these images of all these people, all of them at their height were very, very powerful, immensely influential, and in some cases, amazing leaders. But if you took them all into one, one person with amazing political power, one person with amazing sports celebrity, one amazing musician and talent, and one amazing political power, and you bound those suckers all into one, you would have David. You would have David. David, that's right. David was the greatest sports figure of the Hebrew people. And we heard last week, he slayed the giant Goliath as a young boy. Davis was a famous artist and a poet and musician whose words we still sing and claim today. He was an accomplished military champion, conquering all those peoples around him. And lastly, he was the greatest political power that the Hebrew people ever knew. He reigned for 33 years over a unified Jerusalem, and he was the last-born shepherd boy whose brothers should have been selected as king, but he was. 
Yes, brothers and sisters, he was at the pinnacle of the Bible. I mean, in reality, David defined an era in the Bible. They even call it the Davidic era. Everything that preceded that was kind of a building to the pinnacle of Israel. And everything after that was a longing for the good old days for the nation of Israel. But the Bible wants to remind us something. The Bible wants to remind us that all of the crowns, all of the conquests, and all of the credits don't mean too much to God. Character means a lot to God in the way in which we pursue God. I mean, after all, that's what first got God to notice David. It was his pursuit of God. He was a man after his own heart. Here from 1 Samuel 13, prior to this story, the Lord has sought a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him to be the ruler of his people. Yes, David was selected over his brothers, who by the world's standards were great, but God saw his heart. It was David's pursuit of God that developed his character, not his accomplishments. And you know, I think the same is true for me and you. When we pursue God in our lives and in community, God forms our character too. Our accomplishments often stem from that. And so when I did a little digging with my friends and on Google, uh, I looked at what Facebook, what, uh, on Facebook, what was the definition of character? And here are just a few things that I came up with in my search. The way that someone thinks, so what's going on on the inside, the way they feel, and then lastly, the way they behave. The second definition says the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. My friend uh, from high school uh, wrote, it's about walking the walk. I can think all these great things in my mind, but my character is about the way in which I walk the walk. And overall, you'd have to say, at least prior to this story, David had a pretty good character most of the time. You know, but here's the thing about the biblical narrative. This is the thing about the, the Hebrew Bible that I love. And the New Testament as well. It's not interested in talking about characters, character and its heroes when they make the right decisions only. It also wants to look at when they make the wrong decisions and they have failings. The Bible doesn't whitewash its heroes. David isn't whitewashed. So many of you know, uh, well, not many, but some of you know that I have a 92-year-old grandmother who lives in Sun City Center. And every Wednesday morning, I get up a little bit earlier after I drop the kids down to school and I hightail it down to Sun City Center and we spend about anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour just being together, talking. We talk about life. We talk about her uh, rapidly approaching death. We talk about what's going on at the portico in Hyde Park downtown and just about life. She's the matriarch of my faith. And um, it's amazing the way that God speaks to me through her and in her. And so on this day, 
we were talking about some lows in her life. And we sit down, and, she, and I'm, I'm sitting here, and she's sitting in her little chair. And, and I noticed that she's got a journal sitting out in front of her. And, and, and in the journal, there's a page that's torn in it. And I was curious about that. But anyway, I, I went on, and we started talking about There was somebody very close to her in her life. She was telling me. I already knew the story. I've heard it many times. But she said, this person wounded me in a deep and profound way over choices over many, many years. Now, her generation isn't really known for talking too much, and so she found her outlet through writing, through writing poems, through writing stories about this issue. And she said, Justin, I'm approaching death. Should I rip out the pages? And I'm wondering if there's anyone in this place here or online, have you ever wanted to rip out the pages in your life, in your past, in the choices that you've made that have hurt somebody else? Have you ever wanted to rip out the pages of somebody you love's past in the way that they hurt somebody else? What are you covering up right now? If somebody was to read your journal, the intricacies of your life, what would you not want somebody to show? What are you covering up right now from God? I know on Sunday it's hard because we're smiling all the time. Saying, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. We all struggle with something. We all have crosses to bear. You know, historians often rip out pages of history of our leaders, do they not? They try to white Ross and make our leaders mythical. Think, think in our own history just for a minute. I cannot tell a lie. I got to chop down. That was Clinton. I meant to be George Washington. I, cannot, I, I cannot tell a lie. I chopped down the cherry tree, right? George Washington. Honest Abe. It's almost like we, they personify only the good, amazing things they've done, and we forget or whitewash the things that are really going on, some of the mistakes they made. And you know, if, and, and back to our story, if anybody in the scripture deserved a polished image, if anybody did, it was David. After all, God called him a man after his own heart. And my bet is David would have liked to have a few of these pages ripped out. In the story. The Bible's not interested in hiding its hero's weaknesses. Its paramount concern is maintaining the glory of God. That's what I love about the scripture. And you know what? I think it's true for you, and I think it's true for the David story today. That character is tested in two extremes. The first extreme is when things are going poorly, when things are really going bad in our lives, when everything around us seems to be closing in. Our we are tempted, and our character is tested. And then on the other side is when things are going really well, we forget, and we're tempted. And if you look through the biblical narrative, at all points throughout it, you could place stories in each one of these, these things. 
Now, I have a friend, a dear friend, actually, who when he is over here and things are closing in on him, he's in recovery, as am I, he does everything he needs to do to climb himself out. But when he makes the trip over here and things are gliding and things are going well, he falls when things are going well. And you know what? I think that's what happened in our story today. David was tested when things were going well. And you know, when things are well and when things aren't, are incubators for temptation. Incubators if we're not ready, if we're not prepared, if we're not connected. And it can happen to me and you. If David was tested and if Jesus is tested, I'm guaranteeing, brothers and sisters, you and me are going to be tested. David relied upon God, which allowed him so effectively to lead for such a long period of time. But then this celebrity, this power, closed it down, closed his circle down. He got insulated from community. Perhaps you noticed when uh, David did the uh, dramatic reading, it was subtle, but it sets the stage for everything when we fail and when David fails. Hear the way it is said again. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his officers and all of Israel with him. They ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Brothers and sisters, David was not supposed to be where he was. He was supposed to be on the battlefield when this temptation came. If he isn't there, it doesn't happen. The temptation came when he saw this beautiful woman. But being tempted for David and being tempted for you and for me is not the problem. We are always going to be tempted. There are always things that we're going to be tempted by. Temptation isn't the problem. It's what happens next. David sends out messengers. David sends out a messenger. And you know, we all meet those forks in the robe in our lives, and your fork is going to look different than Matt's fork or somebody's fork up in the balcony. We all have different temptations that come. For some of you, it might be an attractive coworker that gives you a flirty comment. For other of you, it could be an inbox message from an old flame on Facebook. Or maybe you're having a little alone time on the internet doing some Google searches perhaps you shouldn't be doing. All of our forks look different. Temptation isn't the problem. When we send messengers and cover our tracks and our character becomes affected and compromised. You know, sin is that big churchy word occurs when it's compromised. Sin is just the destruction that happens as a result of disoriented relationship between us and God. David stopped pursuing God. And you and I do that too. 
David pours the gasoline on this out-of-control sin and starts to cover and starts to hide and starts to rip out pages so no one will know. And ironically, it's the man that he has killed that has what in this story? Character. He's the one who won't go down and lay with his wife because he'll stay, he'll stay with his, his, his unit and his group. Oh, that's all right. He has the character in the story. He won't go lay with his wife because he's solidified with his unit on the battlefield. You know, enter into Nathan, into the story. And the way you described it, I love. He, he shares a story, a parable, so concise, so convicting, so deliberate. It's, it's almost Jesus-esque, the way that he brings it to its crescendo. And what does he do? He holds up the mirror to David. He holds up the mirror to David's face and forces him to look and to see. And I wonder what would happen if a Nathan came to your life right now and held up a mirror to you and to the pages you would like to have torn out or forgotten about, or covered up. It's not important. It's a, let me restate it. It's important what you do, that you see, and what you do. Now, I've been church. I've been around church long enough now to know that some people say, "Well, that guy ain't me. I don't do that. I'm good." Do you know how many Sundays I came to uh, church this last year? Some of you need to dig a little bit more. And I would also say and suggest that some of you need to go pick up the mirror and put it in front of some of your friends or your loved ones or the people with whom you're in relationship with and help them see and turn around. You know, the dark facets, and we all know this, the dark facets of our character may be hidden from others, but they aren't hidden from God. We cannot, no matter how hard we try, tear out the pages of our sins and our wrongs. And there are consequences to our choices when we fail. Relationships are destroyed. People are hurt. And that's a reality of sin and separateness. And you can't do it alone. And we can't do it alone. David stopped pursuing God because he was insulated. He was insulated from others. And you cannot do the Christian journey yourselves, brother and sister. The gravitational pull of sin and separateness and isolation is too strong. We don't want to have small groups for you to get in because we want you to learn everything and be a biblical scholar. We want you to be in community so you can be an image bearer of Jesus Christ out in the world. You cannot do that alone. It's too difficult. 
so the pages in your story can be held. God can hold them. God can hold your darkness, and God can hold your light. God loves you more than you'll ever, ever know. But there's only one thing that must happen when that mirror comes, when we come to the moment of realization that we too need to turn around like David. Confession, admission, and repentance turning around. That's what you are called to do, and that's what I am called to do, and that's what we as the body of Christ are called to do. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I give thanks for stories in the Bible of the greatest heroes that have character flaws just like us. Challenge us, encourage us, hold us as we, tr we try to pursue you, to love you and love others. Give us the tools that we need. And if anyone, either online or in this, in this place, needs support, that needs to talk, I pray that they would write on their connection card, please call me. We give thanks for reconciliation and the good news of Jesus Christ who reconciles and makes us into the people we've called us to be. Amen.